0: Get him stopped.
1: God and Moses both in a sidecar did not drive a sprint car with a thousand horsepower. I swear to God, he's done a
2: double somersault backwards. My car won't go past wide open. Uh, my 50,000 came
0: in a Twinkie box. You know, I get my jollies off over looking at a nice car wash. You know he's gonna crash your shit, but
1: he's still he's still got great stories.
0: Oh, they disappeared.
1: Oh, I'm leading, <laughs> I'm leading. <it. laughs> you plated your old ball sack and you just freaking let it eat. It's all goddamn assholes and elbows, and if you ain't right, They'll send your ass to
0: the rear. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Open Red, the official podcast of the World of Outlaws. NOS Energy Drink Sprint Cars. My name is Rob Blount from Dirt Vision, and alongside of me, as always, Nick Graziano, the PR god of the World of Outlaws. Nick, how are you doing?
1: I am amazing. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty good, too, but I don't know if I'm doing amazing.
1: Well, I would say I'm amazing because a new Spider-Man trailer came out, so I was
0: pretty jacked up about that but we'll get the sprint cars we okay to talk about that. you know what i'm right there with you i'm amazing too because uh, <laughs> i was pretty pumped when i saw that last night that was awesome um but yeah sprint cars are pretty good this weekend too
1: yeah it was uh pretty fun to watch those as well i would say
0: yeah i agree
1: might be a way to describe how the weekend went
0: <laughs> i agree um friday night got rained out and then we ran Saturday night at Red River Valley Speedway, and then Sunday at Houston Speedway, uh, the always entertaining little bull ring there in Brandon, South Dakota, which, by the way, I've been raving about the late model street stocks all year long, and they put on another heck of a show on Sunday night. I mean, you weren't lying. I told you, I don't lie.
1: Yeah, that's one track that you definitely need to watch to support less of that. They were just that was the last chance for at least for the World of Outlaws. I mean, they're still on Dirt Vision, but for the World of Outlaws,
0: is it that was that was it for this year? They're just ridiculously entertaining, and they did it again on Sunday. And the guy that usually runs up front and wins, he struggled, and that made it anyone's race. And I mean, you, you saw what what became of that. It was fun.
1: I mean, we're just one more. We're good race from them away from just having to start a podcast for them. Yeah,
0: pretty much. Pretty much. Um, I don't know what you would name that, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I guess.
1: Yeah, there, there, there's uh, your job. If you're listening, you can come up with the name for the what, late model street stocks. Is that what they're called? Yep. Yeah, the new podcast for late model street stocks. Whatever you want to call it, go
0: go for it. Perfect. There we go. Uh, we are going to get into recapping both nights of racing from this past weekend. Uh, but before we do that, we had a really fun conversation with uh, the youngest pole sitter in Knoxville Nationals history, Mr. Giovanni Selzy.
1: It was, yeah, a really fun conversation. Uh, cool just to hear him talk about his career so far, what's changed, what he's looking to do, um, different things like that. Like I said, youngest, pole sitter, Knoxville Nationals. He's only 19 right now still. It's amazing. it's crazy to think that he's still that young because I feel like he's been around for I know. ever. But really, only started racing with the World of Outlaws in 2018.
0: That's crazy. Made the two of us feel really old when we realized that like, we're both a decade 10. older than yeah, <laughs> I, I don't normally feel old until you go and... Have remember a conversation with someone like are. that. Yeah. And then, remember, like, 29 doesn't feel that old. And then you talk to Giovanni Selzi, who's doing all of this awesome stuff that he's doing. And you're like, oh, wait, you're only 19. Oh, with
1: KCP Racing, pretty good sprint car team, ran Arca races, won at Williams Grove, a dirt track at Charlotte. I mean, that's, I mean, I think I've done some good stuff at 29, but I haven't done that
0: yet. I haven't. (laughs) I'll I'll be honest. He just... Geo puts me to shame. But yeah, that was a super fun uh, conversation that we're going to get into here momentarily. But first, of course, it is time for a quick word from our sponsors, our friends at Manscaped. Many of you around the country have probably already gone back to school, uh, but for those of you who may be listening from, I don't know, the North, Northeast, where you go back to school around Labor Day or whatever, uh, just make sure you're prepared uh, for getting back to school uh, by using our friends at Manscaped. You can get the performance package with the new lawnmower 4.0 at manscaped.com using the promo code OPENRED20 that gets you 20% off, plus free shipping as always. Using the promo code OpenRed20 because the last thing you're going to want to do when you go back to school is be a little bit itchy anywhere, and you can at least get that taken care of. Yeah, you don't want to do that when you're taking a test. You don't want that stress.
1: It's already stressful enough. Yeah, agree. Manscaped can relieve that exactly. That.
0: Exactly. So one more time, go to Manscaped.com. Use the promo code OpenRed20 get yourself 20% off of your order plus free shipping on that order and be ready to go when you're ready to walk out the door and go to that first class. There you go. That's how you do it. Open red 20. There you go. Open what? red 20. Open Not red 20. Time. Open red 20. And now we'll get into uh get into our conversation with uh who is it again Nick? I believe uh, hot sauce. That's how we might know him as. Some might know him as. Uh, we'll I find out it. why. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we did we did uh we did touch on that and uh that was fun. Yeah, good answer too. For sure. All right, here we go. Giovanni Selzy joins us on Open Red. Gio Selzy, thank you for joining us. Uh we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this with us. Uh man, we'll just get right started with you. You've been on fire lately uh, about as hot as your nickname hot sauce there <laughs> um what is the key do you think behind this recent run of just incredible runs out there
2: yeah i think just getting to, to racetracks i'm comfortable at um knoxville's been a place i've seen to take a liking to since i started going there so i think just um bernie's cars work they're really good and um you know having a shop in des moines too it kind of has become a home track for me so we run some local shows and and spent a lot of time racing there this year. So, um, obviously, the, the Nationals is, is the biggest race of the year, and, and that's the one you use circle on your calendar. So, um, it just, I think everybody sets their game up that time of year, and, and it seems like we've started to hit our strides around August.
1: I think even uh, Chase Rodman mentioned it during the broadcast, one of the recent broadcasts, that you've been to maybe like 10 or so new tracks for yourself this year, and even still had uh, pretty good performances there. And I know you just mentioned uh, um, Bernie. Uh, do you feel like you guys helped – the it helped pick up your performance a little bit when you started working with him again
2: yeah for sure you know we took a a year off from each other and and uh, pretty much broke up and now we got back <laughs> together so um yeah like earlier in the year whenever um tyler got let go and, and we pretty much rebuilt an entire team in, in about two weeks so um changed cars you know changed shocks changed wings changed really everything and um just tried to get back to what made me comfortable and what made me fast a couple years ago so um yeah just you know, it's hard. These guys, a lot of these teams have been together for a lot of years. You know, look at Eric and Brad Sweet; they've been together. I think this is their third or fourth year together, and and they've been really fast. and And when you're racing against guys that've been together that long, I think it makes it that much harder.
0: So you mentioned uh, a little bit ago about like. Knoxville becoming your home racetrack and saying, I think you said, that that always helps and stuff like that. I come from a pavement background where the track obviously doesn't change that much. It may change over the course of a really long race, but for the most part, the line is the line. You know how to get around that place. In dirt, the the surface is always changing, whether it's over the course of a 30-lap race or from week to week. It could be drastically different. How much does having laps at one particular racetrack help you out the next time you go back to that track because it could be very different
2: you know I, yeah, it does definitely help you um i think sometimes it can hurt you too um everybody always says that um you know your local knoxville guys struggle nationals time because the tracks never like it is throughout the year so i think this year in knoxville we've seen drastically different track conditions from from rubber to to rain and really wet and and just not your typical knoxville and obviously this this last nationals was not your typical nationals racetrack so um you know it's the same for everybody but i think sometimes if you sometimes if you if you race somewhere all year and you try to hone in on your race car and then you go to nationals and the track's completely different it almost hurts you um i think that's why the outlaws are so good they get to go to every different racetrack and the week before nationals when i was at 360 nationals they were in new york so obviously completely different racetrack and and they come to nationals and and donnie's still up front brad's still up front gravel's still up front the the same guys are still up front so um i think it can help you and hurt you i think when you don't think about it and and you know like i said i've run at knoxville a lot this year and and that's a place i really like and, and somewhere we've got our program honed in on i think sometimes it can hurt you because you you obsess about it so much and you know your car has to be a certain way in knoxville
1: for those who might not have seen, obviously you won the 360 Nationals and came back uh, starting the poll from Knoxville Nationals, finished fourth. Um, I think a lot of people might also forget you're still only 19 at the moment, too, yeah. and driving like uh, a veteran. Uh, I guess for yourself, do, do, do you perceive it that way? Do you still do you see yourself almost as being that comfortable that age doesn't mean anything to you really at the moment, or do you feel like there's still more for your, yourself to learn, obviously?
2: Um, You know, it's funny, me and Adam were actually talking about this last night, but um yeah like i don't know i I feel like i've been racing for for a long time when i really haven't Um, i've just been very fortunate to get with good teams early in my career with roth and and bernie and um brian sunby just to drive really good race cars and, and have success very early in my career so i i guess you know winning an outlaw race at 16 and then winning another one the next year was was you almost expect success and and now to to not struggle this year but um, you know, go to racetracks I haven't been to before, and not be able to run a pick and choose schedule, and, and you have to race every weekend. That's your full time job. I think it's definitely opened my eyes a bit. And, um, yeah, I guess to answer your question, I, I don't, I don't really see it. I, I try to, you know, race everybody the same way, and I feel like I've been out here a while now, and and you know, we're becoming a, a pretty regular contender.
0: Does it ever amaze you though, like what you're accomplishing at at the age that you're at? Like, obviously it does the rest of us when we're sitting there going, oh my goodness, like a 19 year old is on the pole for the Knoxville nationals with guys like Donnie shots and David gravel and, and Brad sweet right behind him. Um, we're sitting there going, wow, you're sitting there going, yeah, that's exactly where I should be.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I, I do feel that way in a way. Um, I think, you know, obviously Donnie shots is a, I'm a huge Donnie shots fan. Still. He's one of my idols and Daniel Lasoski. He actually retired. Well, halfway retired the year I started racing. So I never got to race against him. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's weird because, like, you know, I think young drivers sometimes ask those guys for advice and, and what you should kind of do. But I, I feel like I've never really been in that situation because I've been competitive with them right from once I started racing. So, um, yeah, I, I guess uh, I am I am kind of right where I, I feel like I should be. I mean, I have, you know, all the equipment you need and a, a great team behind me. So I think um, the, the more you, I think 360, def, 360 Nationals definitely sunk in. Uh, you know, being able to walk across the front stretch. And that was the first time I'd ever got to go back in the, the press conference room and um, being in there every night, my prelim night of 360 and 410 and then not the final night, which kind of sucked. But um, yeah, I think you got to kind of sit back sometimes and, and look at what you've done. And it's easy in this, this world when you race as much as you do just to keep going and going and going and never let it sink in. So I think 360 definitely, definitely sucked. And I kind of took a walk after the race on Saturday and um, it just kind of, you know, let it all sink
1: in uh, what you just did. Kind of glossed over a little bit, so I'll just kind of throw the, the stats out there. Like you mentioned, got your first win at 16, but that was at Williams Grove. Next year, one at the Dirt Track at Charlotte, and that was beating Kyle Larson for the win. Um, I think you have about one or two starts right now, uh, 48 top tens in that time. So it's pretty much 50% average, always in the top 10. What was it with sprint cars that just kind of suited you so well?
2: Uh, as opposed to like drag racing or
1: yeah, anything. What was it? Did you instantly feel comfortable in a sprint car?
2: You know, honestly, like when I first, when I first got in a 360, I actually drove my dad's car and drove Roth's car. Um, and it, it felt so big and so fast coming from micros. I never really thought I would ever get up to speed and then kind of got comfortable in a 360 and then got right in a 410 and that was like a whole nother, another animal. So, um, yeah, they, they, I was actually a driver that, you know, they had to, I had to be pushed to run harder. You know, a lot of guys are out there wide open, hammered down from the beginning, and I was not that way. So um, I think, obviously, the bigger, slick, smooth racetracks definitely suit me a little bit more than what a Houston would, would suit me. But um, yeah, I mean, once, honestly, once I got with Bernie, and I had some success with Red Ventura, with Roth, and, and once I got with Bernie, that, that kind of is what put me on the map.
0: So Bernie seems like someone that's helped you along a lot of the way. Uh, and you mentioned before not so much seeking out advice from guys like Donnie or, or any of the other drivers that you look up to so who along with Bernie are the guys that you do reach out to because obviously it's it's coming to you so quickly the success is um, that either it just seems completely natural talent or you, of course you've got to have someone in, in your in your corner giving you advice that you have to turn to because people have been places and experienced things that you haven't already of course.
2: Yeah, my brother is definitely one of those people um you know not to be mean but you know probably hasn't you know hasn't experienced a success I have experienced but um is someone to just talk to and kind of just say hey this is what I would do in this situation and he helps me a lot and and Daniel Lasoski is definitely huge uh, been a big influence in my life to to help me racing and, and sometimes say hey get your head out of your ass and, and so, <laughs> um I think those those two people are definitely probably the biggest influences in my life uh, in the racing world
0: you know, uh, you mentioned your brother Dominic there. As an older brother myself, I think it would be understandable uh, for him because he hasn't, as you said, experienced the success that you've gotten to experience. To be a, a little bit jealous, maybe even resentful, but obviously he is your biggest cheerleader that, that you have, and he he makes that very obvious, in the relationship that you guys have uh, is awesome to watch. Just how much fun is it? for you to be able and and go experience things that you experience, but also have him right there with you experiencing it with you uh with you
2: yeah you know we actually had a lot of fun the beginning of last year I guess it was I, I got to run a, a second car for my dad and, and we got to race uh, 10 or 15 times together on the road and um you know it sucks because he actually lived in West Des Moines and now my shop's in Des Moines so um just time kind of he went back home and I came out here so um never never really worked out where we could really spend a year together on the road um, it was always I was in Indy and he was in Des Moines and I'm racing in Pennsylvania. He's racing in, in Iowa. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's my best friend. He's he's someone I talk to sometimes four or five times a day. So, um, yeah, I think, like you said, the jealousy thing, There there's zero jealousy between either of us. I think I think he's more happy than I am sometimes when I run good. And and he's someone to, to you know, I can kind of get in my moods and get upset about stupid stuff and not running good. But he's kind of one to bring me kind of back to earth.
1: That's definitely cool. Like You mentioned earlier, I uh, just kind of referenced uh, the, as you said, kind of breakup with Bernie and then got back together. What Was it that kind of deep or was it just happened not to be working with him uh, last year but decided maybe you guys should reconnect here even with the KCP team?
2: Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I think it was more me just kind of being a young kid and, and thinking you're better than you are and, and, you know, I don't know, thinking you could really hop in any car and be fast and that obviously was not the case. So um you know it, i think it was a, a definitely a learning experience in my life and and you know in a roundabout way i guess everything happens for a reason um you know obviously found kcb racing and, and they picked me up and, and got to race with some really good good guys along you know it was only a year it feels like it was a long time not racing with them. but um yeah just i don't know just i mean it, it was it was 100 percent my decision and and yeah i don't know it's just a kind of a just a weird situation kind of how it all went down but um just got to the point where you know i worked jimmy Carr, ran guy forbrook's car for a couple nights and and then raced with tyler for you know a little bit more than half the season and and just you know nothing seemed to be working like i ran the arca deal and man i felt like every car i got into was you know just just never felt that comfortable that i felt with bernie from the back so um you know whenever matt decided to make a change and and we brought the first guy i called was bernie and and just said hey man can you can you Save this sinking ship because it's it's not going good right now and um you know i felt like that that meant a lot to me for him to kind of drop everything he was doing to to help me out and and i feel like you know he's put a a lot of his time and sacrifice a lot um you know spending time with his wife and and with his dogs and stuff just you know almost kind of putting his his plans on hold to to help me out
1: what do you feel is that, what, what is that connection with you and Bernie does he just understand what you need is it kind of that deal where you can come and say just maybe loose description of what's happening he knows, knows exactly what to do to help you
2: you know honestly most of the time I don't really have to even say anything um, That that's what the, the magic is I feel like I, I can come in and um, you know uh, he kind of already knows what, what the go is before I even before I can even tell him it's just kind of like a I get out and he says man that thing was a pile of shit I'm like yeah it wasn't very <laughs> good and then he fixes it and then we move on like um, I just think from the beginning, I feel like he's been able to read my driving style and, and read what I need in a race car. I mean, he's been fast. He's won a lot of races with Shane Stewart and, and won a lot of races with Kevin Sundell and, and he's been fast with Spencer and anybody that gets in his car seems to be fast. But I feel like, you know, somehow we always get kind of, even when he has two cars, he gets drawn to, to me and, and it's the same way for me to him. So, um, yeah, whatever it is, just, um, you know, I lived with him for a while. Those two years I ran for him and became really close and, and, You know, it it wasn't your typical crew chief driver relationship. I think it was, you know, we're obviously we're really good friends. And uh, I think that's the biggest thing. It's never like, you know, when I mess up, obviously you'll point it out and, and, you know, say I made a mistake. But I think it's just that mutual respect for each other and and knowing that um, there's just very little conflict between us. I think that's why things go so smoothly.
0: How much does that mean to you that, you know, you said that the split was... 100% 100% on you pretty much. How much does that mean to you that when you called him back up, he's like, yeah, let's just go for it. Let's do this thing.
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously when, when I, you know, like I guess we were really close friends and that, you know, really pretty much ended our friendship and, um, you know, kind of throughout the year, like you go from, it's like breaking up with your girlfriend, really. Um, you know, you go from talking to someone every day to, to not really talking to him at all. And, and, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I, I kind of talked to him on and off and just, you know, he uh, he put a like when I drove my dad's car, he put a note on my dash. Just you know, I mean, this was early, er, right at probably a couple months after. Which and then I talked to him, ordered some stuff from him, and saw him at the racetrack. Said, hey, what's up? And um, you know, we hung out one night at Brickers in, in Indy, which is a little pub, you know, by the everyone goes to like a racing racing kind of restaurant. And um, we hung out again, and it was you know fun, like just caught up on stuff, and um, you know, I was racing with Tyler at the time, and kind of started talking more and and yeah i just never like i said it's, it's like when you break it with your girlfriend and you get back together it just you know think things have gone really good this year and it sucks for me being in des moines and, and him being in indy because most time he just shows up at the races and we race together and um yeah it just you know i'm just really thankful that he he you know forgave me i guess i should say and, and we've we've kind of put everything behind us and and, and moved on from it
1: yeah, it's definitely shown. Now, obviously, even uh, last year when uh, Shane was driving for him, you always mentioned how uh, Bernie's kind of got his own business to look after. It's kind of hard for him to run a full tour. Uh, I guess, what is the plan for you guys, if there is any at the moment, the plan on just finishing out the year together and kind of evaluate what to do next year kind of thing?
2: Yeah, that's that's pretty much where we're at. I've um, been very fortunate to have Adam on board, and, and he stayed on board when Tyler left. And, and you know, whenever we go racing on our own, it, it's, it's me and him. So um with bernie helping us over the phone obviously which is tough i mean we've had some good runs i think we run second at williams grove um when bernie wasn't there and, and have been on the podium a couple of times and bernie's not there so um and it shows you kind of the chemistry too i can tell him something over the phone and he can watch over dirt vision so um yeah you know he has his business and that that's what comes first i mean the guy's 51 years old and um you know it's hard to to ask someone like that hey come on the road with me for a couple of years of the outlaws because in reality who knows how long this kcp thing's going to last and and it, you know, he obviously has a very successful business, um, in Indy with Indy race parts. And, um, I would love nothing more than to have him on the road full time with us. I think it'd be the most fun thing in the world, but sometimes you just got to kind of look at what's realistic and what's not. So, um, yeah, I think just get the end of the year. And, and obviously this year calling him in February or March or whenever it was, he didn't have, he had other plans, you know? So I think maybe, um, you know, if we plan a whole year together, it it, it might go a little bit better, but you know, I, I think results have shown that this is the guy I'm I'm the best with, and, and this is a guy I want to work with.
1: Definitely. The, is there a plan to try and run like uh, a full uh, World of Outlaws schedule in the f- near future?
2: Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I was actually talking to Matt Barber about this the other day, and I told him, I said, you know, it might sound stupid, but I don't want to run the World of Outlaws until I feel like I can win the championship. You know, I don't want to race for a rookie of the year trophy. That's not why I would feel like I want to do it. Mm. Um, you know, until we get our motor program really, really figured out and, and either get Bernie full time or or get a really good game plan and to what direction we want to go. Um, I would like to eventually run it, but man, I just, I like doing the schedule we're doing now. Um, you know, if we want to go race an all-star race or go race a local Knoxville race and, and, um, you know, if we feel like we're struggling at a racetrack, we can go race there locally. Uh, I think it, 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 you know, there's always pressure in racing, but I think it does take the pressure off and not worry about a points battle and, and, um, yeah, maybe start the year off on the outlaws and, and sign on and just kind of see how it goes.
0: So that may not be in the cards immediately, but you know, looking ahead like five years, obviously, as we've well documented, it's been well documented by us, by just about everybody in the sprint car community. You're extremely young, extremely talented. Um, what are you looking at as far as your career is concerned over the course of the next five years? Like, are you planning on staying in sprint cars? Do you have aspirations of of, of doing anything else? Uh, what What are you thinking about? Or do you not even look that far ahead and you're just kind of taking it day by day?
2: Yeah. I mean, that, that is a, a, one way I do look at it, just kind of race by race and see how it goes. But, um, you know, did the ARCA thing and, and was on the TRD program for a year and year and a half, really ran midgets and did, a, did other kinds of stuff. And, um, you know, obviously COVID kind of messed everyone's schedule up and that, that hurt me. I feel like maybe could have done some more testing or maybe, you know, truck testing or, or stuff like that with, with the NASCAR side of things. And just, um, man, I just really didn't, didn't enjoy myself. It wasn't having fun racing. And, um, I kind of knew, uh, I think I was racing in Vegas, uh, an ARCA car and the outlaws were, I don't know, a Cedar Lake or something. And I was sitting in the lounge of my trailer watching dirt vision as we were about to start practicing. And I just kind of realized like, man, this isn't where I want to be. Why am I, why am I still doing this? I you know I thought this was something I wanted to do and it just, I want to be racing sprint cars. And, and at that point, I'm like, you know, it's just, what, what am I doing this for? And I, it's not fair to my guys on the ARCA team because they work extremely hard to, to make me fast and make me comfortable. And um, if my heart's not 100% then what am I really doing? So um, I guess to answer your question, I'm, I'm in sprint cars to stay for, for however long I, I keep doing it.
1: Now you mentioned being part of the uh, the TRD program. I know they've been working on 410 sprint car engine, looking to get into sprint car racing. Are you involved in that still too?
2: Yeah, so we've run it, I think, seven nights. Um, ran it earlier in there in Volusia, and then ran it at Eldora. So I'm um, working with Tommy Ryder and, and Andy Graves on that deal. So um, we're supposed to be testing here soon. Not really sure when, but um, you'll definitely see it soon.
1: Now do you, Have you noticed a difference? Is there anything uh, different with that Toyota motor versus what you've been running? Is, is Toyota's plan to really come in and kind of do like what they've done with Minich and other series and just kind of really grow into a, kind of a big operation within sprint car racing too?
2: Yes, for sure. They're in it to sell engines. That's that's one hundred percent the reason they're doing it. Um, and I think they've done it the right way with Speedway and Ryder building building their stuff. So um, yeah, honestly, if you other than looking different, if you if I get in the car and I don't know what motor's in it, I probably wouldn't be able to tell a difference between that and the Chevy. So I think for them to hit the ground running that quick with with Tommy stuff and Speedway stuff, I think they've. Definitely put the time in, and um, has been postponed because of COVID, kind of like everything else has been. But right. um, yeah, I think it, it's definitely something that that's going to be you'll you'll be seeing it in the near future.
0: Do you feel any pressure when uh, you're behind the wheel of a car that you know you're doing testing for for something that is super important to Toyota like that?
2: Um, no, not really. I mean, I just think if if I do my job and, and you know um, give the feedback I can give, I mean that that's all I can really do um and and you know hopefully they i'm helpful to them i I think just um not really pressure i I think just just trying like i said do my job and and give them the best feedback possible and try and help them as much as possible because you know we're all doing this to win races and we all want to be fast we all want to win so um i think once we test and we we've raced it we actually haven't tested it at all uh we've we've only raced it so i'm just trying to kind of take a bit smarter approach to it and, and make sure we're ready to roll when we hit the ground running
1: what is it like to work with, uh, to it in that program? Obviously I know there, there's a lot of drivers they work with and try and develop them. Um, uh, so, sometimes bring them up through NASCAR. How is it to work with them? And what was, I guess maybe their reaction, when you said, no, I don't want to do the pavement stuff. I just want to stay in sprint cars.
2: Man, honestly, I was dreading the phone call uh, <laughs> to Andy and, and Jack Irving. I just, I, was, I remember I was at Port Royal last year for the, uh, I think it was the outlaw race or the Tuskegee 50. I don't remember which one it was, but, um, like I, Andy was the one that got me into it and said, Hey, if you're going to do this, you got to put all your effort into it. And I, I did 100% for a year. And, um, at the end of the year, I just, man, it, it was kind of getting to the point where it's like, Hey, what are we going to do next year? And, and, you know, there was no reason to lead them guys on. And, and I called Jack or I think I called Andy first and then called Jack. And, um, honestly they, they kind of already knew, which I guess <laughs> I was, I was, I, I was, you know, I guess I didn't hide it very well. And I didn't want to be at the stock car races, I was raised well because with KCP I raced 40 times the last half of the year so um, I, I think you know Jack was really supportive and and that's when they actually told me uh, there's like hey the, we feel like there's more we can still do with you with the Toyota side of things because I had mentioned it on and off and they had their other teams picked out and I told Andy I said hey look this is a great operation um, and and if you want to bring your engine somewhere there's nowhere else I would I would suggest you to bring them in here not just because I'm here but because of this whole operation what they have and and it was kind of like, you know, what? I'll think about it. You know, for sure. Thanks for letting me know. And then he called me in the off season. Was like, hey, we want to give you an engine and we want you to be part of the program. So, um, yeah, it was I didn't know if I expected them to be mad or, or what it was. But I mean, they deal with that stuff all the time. Kids coming in and out of the program. So um, I just told them the truth. I just said I'm not happy doing it and, and I want to race sprint cars.
0: Did it kind of surprise you that not only does it seem that they weren't mad when you gave them this phone call, but a they expected it and b they've respected you enough to listen to your word about where to take their brand new engine package
2: yeah it was huge me and andy have have become really close over the last four years um he came to knoxville my first year at nationals and i met him for the first time and had gone on a couple trips he took me some nascar races and and gone to dinner you know with just me and him a couple times and really became pretty close um and and yeah i think like i told him i said hey look i i want to help your guys program as much as possible the way you've helped me and and if I was going to take your engine somewhere, he actually asked me, you know, manufacturer wise, like who, who I would suggest to take it to. And and um, I told him I gave him my two cents and, uh, you know, for him to call me back and, and say, hey, we want you in the program. And, well, it was huge. I, I didn't I guess part of me kind of didn't expect it. Just, you know, your buddies talking, hey, if you ever want to give me a motor, feel free. And I'm actually doing it now. And us being the only one to run a Toyota and really being their main guy, because um, a couple of their other teams have either fallen apart or, or, or fallen through. So. Um, yeah, I, I hope that I can help them as much as possible when we test and, and really, you know, take their program, you know, off the ground, get it running.
1: That's yeah, definitely really cool. It'd be really cool to see uh, Toyota just coming in in general. Uh, before we let you go, uh, there's one more question that a lot of people ask. I think you probably answered it a few times before, but where did the nickname Hot Sauce come from? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, I, I keep telling people I need to make up a better story about it. But, <laughs> um, when I was really little, I, I well now still, but I watched SpongeBob all the time. And there was an episode that had hot sauce in it. And it was like my favorite episode ever. And my dad, he's like, I'm going to call you hot sauce. And that's just, it, it stuck ever since. It, it went away for a while. I used to have it on my fire suit and stuff. And it went away and someone pointed it out. Um, and, and, and it kind of kind of came back
0: and stuck. I actually love that. Um, I'm a massive SpongeBob fan. So that's hilarious. <laughs> that that's where the story comes from. Uh, I, I was expecting, honestly, like, you know, you got dared to do like a hot sauce challenge or something and got so red in the face that now they just started calling you this or something like that. I wasn't expecting SpongeBob, but I love it.
2: See, that's the problem is, is if I tell people I love spicy food, everyone's going to bring me spicy food, then I, I gonna, they're going to want to eat it. Or, you know, I'm going to want to eat it in front of them. And like I, just, I, like I said, I, I need to think of a better story to, to make up.
0: Well, the ultimate follow-up question now is do you even like hot sauce? No.
2: I'm <laughs> not, not <laughs> much of a hot food person, to be honest with you. <laughs>
0: That's that's hilarious. That tops off the whole story right there. That's brilliant. Perfect. Gio, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we really appreciate it, man. Uh, we're done taking up all your time. Um, so thank you so much, and uh, good luck the rest of the year. Yeah, no worries. Thank you guys for having me on. Once again, big thank you to Giovanni Selzy for joining us uh, for this week's episode I was not really expecting him to not actually like hot sauce, but that was hilarious.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's just makes the nickname even better. I, I, mean, was, I feel like you could almost start calling it SpongeBob now too if you wanted. Yeah,
0: start it. All right, we'll see if it takes off.
1: I'll say we need to start sliding that into all the race reports. Uh, Giovanni SpongeBob sells it.
0: Uh, you know, I actually like it. Yeah, it kind of works. It works. You know, I was expecting to be like, you know, maybe I'm more of like a Frank's Red Hot guy over Tabasco. I'm a Tabasco guy. But, you know, I could see him. I wasn't expecting him to be the biggest, like, spicy fan out there. But when when he said he's not a fan of it at all, that just, that absolutely cracked me up.
1: It seems to always work that way. You have a nickname. Usually, for whatever reason, you don't like whatever your nickname is actually associated with.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Um, this past weekend, as we said at the top of the show, we had two nights of racing after the first night got rained out, but is rescheduled for the middle of this week. Uh, so this episode should be out before we actually get there on Wednesday night. Uh, so we ran Friday night at the Red River Valley Speedway. Uh, Donnie Schatz did not have to wait as long to get win 301 as he did win 300 uh, as he went to victory lane on Saturday night over David Gravel and James McFadden. Logan Shuhart finished fourth, Sheldon Hodden Shield fifth, Brad Sweet finished in sixth, Carson Macedo seventh, Giovanni Selzy in eighth, Craig Kenzer ninth, and Jacob Allen in tenth. Excuse me there. Uh the KSC Hard Charger Award goes to Craig Kenzer, who gained nine spots from position eighteen to position nine. Uh lap leaders on this night. David Gravel led the first lap of the night. Logan Schuhart led laps two through twenty-one. Donnie Schatz took the lead on lap twenty-two and held it all the way to lap thirty. Full disclosure, I went to Bowman Gray on Saturday night. Um How dare you. So I didn't I didn't see saturday's
1: race well i did i was watching huh was it good it was great yeah it was a good time uh, red river valley uh puts on a pretty good show and it showed it um there's a lot of fun slide jobs good racing going on obviously donnie got up there it was cool to see him basically that is his home track like yeah. he lives only a few minutes from it didn't have to fly anywhere there he could just drive um cool to see him get that win win 301 it kind of almost felt like uh, 300th win, in a way, just because it was home. There was family there, finally. Just kind of getting that win again after 300, kind of breaking uh, uh, that seal now. So, now it's just kind of keep the mo- momentum rolling. It is interesting to hear him say that, basically, they had, like, I guess, almost a new Ford engine in there for him. Hmm. Something he said he felt more comfortable with. So, I'm just kind of cur- cu- curious to see and hear more about what exactly... That is what they did to that they found works best for him. Obviously, we know when Cary uh, was winning all those races, he said how much he loved the Ford, how much it fitted him. So I wonder what they found maybe either there that they could translate over to Donnie or if um, somehow they just molded whatever they had there to fit Donnie better, which obviously it seems is working second at Knoxville Nationals, now the win at Red River Valley and just a few other good finishes along the way. So I'd be curious to see if they can kind of get back to their multiple winning ways again now.
0: Yeah, they've been they've been very fast recently. Um just goes to show you the R and D is never done, even as close as you think it might be. You still gotta always always keep searching, oh, yeah. keep trying to find those tenths of seconds, hundredths of seconds, or just anything you can do to find that speed and get back into victory lane. It was cool to see him get back into victory lane and uh cool to see the fan reaction, because of course he was at home like you mentioned. Yep. There's not many places that we go to <laughs> anymore where you see Donnie Schatz get a standing ovation from the crowd. Yeah, right. <laughs> you saw it when he uh, when he got his 300th, but that was a little bit different of a story there than normal. Um, yeah, I kind of had to remind myself when I saw the replay from Saturday night. I'm like, where are we that he's getting such a large cheer? It's like, oh yeah, it's home for him. So it made sense, but it was cool nonetheless. Um Everyone stood up and actually kind of blocked the view of him crossing a checkered flag, which normally I kind of hate from the broadcast side of things, but every once in a while that's kind of cool, especially when it's someone's hometown and to see the hometown crowd react the way they did on Saturday.
1: It was, yeah, it was kind of putting you right in the seat with everybody, almost like yeah. you were really there kind of deal.
0: Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, moving ahead to Sunday at Houston Speedway, David Gravel went to Victory Lane at Husitz. Go figure the Husitz car goes to Victory Lane at Husitz, right?
1: Yeah, that's the uh, second time he did it this year. Huh. That's got to make um, uh, Mr. Todd Quirin pretty happy. The see his car. Fishy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> For those conspiracy theorists out there who
1: only ever. I wasn't seen... going to say it. I'm just going to say he's very happy to see his car <laughs> parked in Victory Lane in his track. That's all.
0: Listen, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I do always laugh. Uh, my fir- Our first year here, 2019. Um, when you just had Brad and Donnie winning seemingly almost every night. Every single time Donnie would win, we would get the same person on Twitter would start accusing us of rigging the race for Donnie Schatz to win. <laughs> because if you're going to rig it for anyone, you would, of course, rig it for the 10-time champion to make, just make sure that he keeps winning yep. and making everyone bored of it, right? Yep. Um, but it was hilarious to see people, just the same person every time. There goes the Outlaws again, rigging it for Donnie Shot so he can take the win another night. And then, of course, he didn't win the championship that year. Um I haven't seen that guy. Oh, because
1: he caught us, obviously.
0: Right? Yeah, caught us red-handed. So we had to change our change our tactics yep. there. I guess. Um, I haven't seen that guy on Twitter recently. I wonder what happened to him. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, but I just you know, there's always those conspiracy theorists that I did see one or two on. Uh, on Sunday night talking about the Houston's car going to Victory Lane at Houston Speedway. Maybe maybe they just found a secret there, you know. Yeah, maybe he's just fast. Or also, it's
1: you got to put the track on your cart and you automatically win at that track. So maybe if you put Knoxville Nationals I was on your car, say you, you
0: would have won the Knoxville Nationals. Uh, I was going to say, I think we just found a new strategy yeah. here. Um, it's worth, worth trying, right? Maybe not? Seems to be working for the two cards. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, spent way too long on this stupid conspiracy theory that i just said as a joke um david gravel goes to victory lane sunday night at hew uh over austin mccarl who had a fantastic night jacob allen rounding out the podium there in third donnie shots fourth craig kinzer fifth james mcfadden sixth wayne johnson in seventh that was cool for wayne not only did he run really well uh won the pole after winning the dash and he won his heat race that night that was a Heck of a night there for for Wayne Johnson, uh, Brad Sweet finished in eighth, Sheldon Haden shield ninth, and Brock Zierfoss rounds out the top ten. Uh, a lot of really cool finishes. Back. Yeah, really good finishes for guys that need it and deserve it. I thought Austin McCar was actually going to get the win for a little while there. Um, just made a you didn't see Sunday's race. You admitted to me before we went on air. So I, it was I admitted
1: on, but I was passed out. <laughs>
0: I uh, I had, had to bring that up because I just admitted to not seeing Saturday, and I didn't trust you to admit that you didn't see Sunday, so I just yeah, figured out would well, you under the bus. I go there. to an asphalt race to miss the dirt race. Well, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> um, yeah, Austin Austin McCarl had a great run going. I uh, was in the lead and probably about six or seven car lanes ahead of David, who was starting to reel him in anyway, but they, you know, made a bobble on the rather large cushion that we had in turns one and two, and uh, that was all she wrote. Gravel got by, said, see you later. Houston's
1: always just a fun track in general. A lot of produces some Pretty exciting
0: racing, I would say. The track crew, the Outlaws crew, all did a phenomenal job on Sunday. We started about um, an hour and a half, hour 45 later than planned because a. Uh, rather strong thunderstorm rolled through the area around six or seven o'clock ish no five o'clock local time six o'clock eastern that's what i was trying to remember there uh and just soaked the place and they did an awesome job of getting it back into racing condition we didn't have cars on the wall like we normally see there but that's okay it was still uh really great racing even with a more narrow than normal uh racing line there um place is just so fast. So much fun to watch guys just whip around the corners there.
1: It's definitely cool if somehow you ever get the chance to just stand in the infield there and watch them. We're super fun. A lot of fun just to watch them. Just how they come off the corners. Sometimes that little bit of sideways, then it catches, them, and then just rockets down the back stretch.
0: I'll take your word for it because I've never been there but I do want to go there because it looks like just an incredible facility.
1: Yeah, really nice. They've been doing a lot of upgrades, to it. I know they keep doing more, wanting to do more. And the last time I was there, it was just a really nice facility that definitely you want to check out.
0: Uh, One name I did not mention there because he didn't finish in the top 10, 18th place finisher, Carson Macedo. Uh, Carson started third, took the lead on lap eight, and that was the only lap that he led. Uh, He took the lead... uh, Coming off of turn four, and the next time by, ran into the back of a lap car and spun himself out. Then later on in the night, had a flat tire. Um, A very promising night gone bad for Carson Macedo and the 41 team. Uh, Your lap leaders on Sunday night, Wayne Johnson led laps one through seven and laps nine through 14. Carson Macedo led lap number eight. Austin McCarroll laps 15 through 23, and then David Gravel laps 24 through 36. Your KSE Hard Charger Award belongs to Tim Cading, who gained nine spots on the night uh, to finish in the 15th position from 24th. So that's a pretty strong run there for Tim Caden to go from last. I hit the microphone as I went to scratch my nose there. Sorry about that. Uh, Went from the last starting position up to 15th. And now I gotta be honest with you. This championship battle's not over. No, it's been. Uh, they've been chipping away at it a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, Brad Sweet. Of course, still leads. David Gravel's now moved into second, but he's a uh, hundred and twenty points back, which I think is probably the closest anyone's been since. That's down twenty points, I believe, in the last just couple races. Yeah, we still got.
1: 20 something races left to go. So there's still plenty of time to keep chipping away at it, too.
0: Off the top of my head, I think that's the closest anyone's been to, Brad, since probably prior to Kings Royal, maybe close to like Jackson Nationals time.
1: Probably about that. Yeah. Definitely um, in that range. I feel like it's almost like what happened in 2019. I know even Brad mentioned it. Like when he didn't win the 2019. Uh, Knoxville Nationals and how they finished, like that kind of got them down a little bit. And even though he finished what was it? Third this yeah, third this year, uh, you could kind of just see, even in the media center, like you just seemed down again. Like I'm wondering if that maybe got to their heads a little bit again. They didn't get the nationals now. Maybe that just kinda hurt their spirit a little bit and the performance isn't exactly on par to what they were. Like they're running well, but
0: Again, top tens aren't what they want. They want wins and podiums. Yep, and wins and podiums bring championships. And uh, that was not the case on on Sunday night as they finished eighth. And to be honest with you, they really didn't run as high as eighth throughout much of the race. Uh, it, you know, it was kind of hanging around the tenth or eleventh place spot, and then eventually made his way as as high as eighth right before the checkered flag there um we'll see we'll see what happens here we've got the west coast swing coming up uh the first time that we're going to the west coast since 2019 Uh, obviously didn't go at all last year or in the spring this year due to due to the pandemic um so that'll be interesting uh to see what happens out there those are definitely
1: some good tracks for him so that'll be a good indication of if they can get themselves back on track pretty soon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Or we'll see if David can keep chipping away at it. Uh, Because like we said, he's he's gaining a little bit, but the problem is it's a lot easier to lose very quickly than it is to gain. So yeah. uh, we'll see what happens there. It's David Gravel 120 points back if Brad Sweet, who uh, David's in second in points. Carson Macedo is third. Now 162 points out uh, following his 18th place run on Sunday. Donnie Schatz is fourth, 238 points out. Sheldon Hottenshield, fifth, 266 points out. Um, One thing that I don't think you guys had the chance to mention last week, because I think it happened after the Nick and Nick show took place, is Casey Kane is now the full-time driver of the – Roth 83, and Aaron Reitzel is out. That
1: was uh, pretty pretty cool to hear. Um, I'll say we have someone in the office who might have a connection with him who told us beginning of the week, maybe a few days before that was announced, so I kind of knew that ahead of time. Uh, <laughs> but I couldn't say anything. <laughs> but, yeah, it was cool. Um, and obviously, right off the bat, they got another quick time at yeah. uh, Red River Valley, and they had a decent finish there, uh, 14th at uh, Houston. So it'll uh, be cool to see if maybe he can get his first win in that car with this uh this year i think at the end uh, i think it rounds out uh, he'll run 30 something races this year he's already ran he already ran eight or so and now adding 24 or something like that to a schedule so 30 something races by the end of the year so a good chance that casey might be able to sneak his first win sometime
0: that would be super cool and also would be uh wouldn't it be something to see casey kane get his first win for a team that is not his own
1: yeah, that'd be something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't think anybody would have uh, maybe guessed that. But when you look at the legendary names of drivers that have won in the 83 car, it would be very cool to see Casey add his name to that list.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. He's They have a little bit of a history together. Obviously, um, that car kind of has wins for Casey Kane Racing with and when they kind of teamed together when Paul McMahon was driving that 83 car back in the day. Um, it was kind of under the KKR banner, which I guess it um, kinda is now because I know a lot of Casey's guys kind of help out with that car too. Just kind, they're all kind of acting like a one team kind of deal. But uh, yeah, so it'd be cool to see him add his name to that list, just in general too.
0: Yeah, very very cool. Um, cool for Casey. I didn't. We said it, you know, when we had him on the show. We didn't really want to see him drop off the tour, and uh, now he's back. So that's awesome. Uh, Looking ahead at the schedule since August is amazingly pretty much over. Almost done. Where where did August go? I thought we were just at the Knoxville Nationals beginning of this month. This year is flying by, man. It's crazy. Um, As we said, this show should be released before we head back to the river city speedway for the makeup race from last friday that race is wednesday the 25th which as of recording would be tomorrow uh then the series is off to i80 speedway on friday night for the fvp platinum battery showdown in greenwood nebraska Then a rare Saturday off as they travel back to South Dakota to go to the Black Hills Speedway for the Rushmore Outlaw Showdown on Sunday the 29th.
1: I will actually be at both of those events.
0: Very cool. And then we flip the calendar to September. Yeah, already. It is insane how fast this year is flying by. Uh, We have... Three nights for the Sage Fruit Skagit Nationals at Skagit Speedway in Washington State Friday, Saturday, and Sunday the 3rd through the 5th. And then that is actually a four night weekend uh, as the series also races at Grays Harbor Raceway on Monday the 6th uh, in Elma, Washington before heading off to California for the first time since September of 2019. Uh, On Friday, September 10th, and Saturday, September 11th, the return to the Silver Dollar Speedway in Chico, California, for the Gold Cup Race of Champions. Uh, From there, it is off to Colorado Speedway in Hanford, California, on Friday, September 17th. The 49er Gold Rush Classic at Placerville Speedway on Saturday, September 18th. And then it's back to Eldora on Friday the 24th for the Before the Crown Showdown before making their way back eastward towards the Lernerville Speedway for the Commonwealth Clash on Saturday, September 25th to round out the month of September. Uh, And then after that, we only have, let me count it up here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven more races before it is time for World Finals weekend and crowning a champion for the 2021 season.
1: Which is going to be here before you know it. Like all these, a lot of fun. I don't think you can pick one that's, obviously there isn't one that's not fun. They're all really cool tracks coming up, but and they're all just going to fly by.
0: Yes. Yes, they very much are. Uh, if you are in the area of any of these races, as we say all the time, head to worldofoutlaws.com and make sure that you get yourself some tickets to see The Greatest Show on Dirt in person and find out why we call it The Greatest Show on Dirt because nothing, even as much as as hard as we try here at Dirt Vision, nothing will replicate the at-track experience of seeing 24 900 horsepower sprint cars taking the green flag at any of these racetracks.
1: Definitely something to experience at some point.
0: Yes. Any Uh, of these tracks, really. Absolutely. Any of them at all. Um, It will be this end of the season, will be here before you know it. Uh, You can get tickets to the NGK, NTK uh, World of Outlaws World Finals by going to charlottemotorspeedway.com. Uh, And make sure you get your tickets for that one there. This is the World Finals again. It's not the last call like last year. This is the World Finals. you got
1: sprint cars, late models, and Super Dirt Car Series.
0: All three on the track on the same nights across three days of racing, November 4th, 5th, and 6th to round out the season. And then after that, Dirt Car Nationals will be here before you know it. Yep, only a couple months off and boom. Back to racing again in Florida. If you can't make it to any of these, and again, I implore that you try if you can. If you can't, though, we've got you covered at Dirt Vision, uh, the new website. Uh, we've pretty much ironed out all the kinks there, and uh, everything's rolling well. So make sure that you get yourself a subscription, uh, whether it is your monthly Fast Pass, where you're just paying uh, paying as you go on a monthly basis, or get yourself the annual Platinum Fast Pass, uh, and then you're good to go for next year's Knoxville Nationals. There you go. So make sure that you go and do that, uh, because you're not going to want to miss any of these races in any way, shape, or form, whether you're there in person or watching live on Dirt Vision. Make sure that you can watch the greatest show on dirt uh, some way, somehow.
1: I just got it on Dirt Vision through the Roku app over the weekend. That's really cool. Yeah, that's a lot. Pretty of fun sweet to just something super simple, boom app, boom Dirt Vision Live Racing. Yep. Simple.
0: I finally got my uh, my Fire Stick app downloaded. Cause normally, like I don't really need to because I'm here, right? But I wasn't here for a little while, uh, and I got the Fire Stick app all tuned up and ready to go, and I am so happy to be able to watch our stuff on Fire Stick. Um, for those of you that use gaming systems out there, we do have an app available on the Xbox One now. Um, so you were good to... Oop. Is the One newest one? Yes. That's what I thought. Okay. Just making sure. I believe so. I can't remember anymore.
1: I I don't think I've actually played an Xbox for a year or so.
0: It's available on Xbox. Yeah. The, which... the, the Xbox thing. <laughs> Whichever one it is. Um, I'm trying to remember which one I have. Cause I think I have the Xbox One, and I think there's a newer one already. I believe I have the 360. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't know how old that is now, but I believe I have one. That, one, that, one's, that one's quite old now.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we're getting old, Nick, that we can't yeah. even keep track of our gaming systems anymore. I, you know, I bet you hot sauce, hot sauce would know. I bet you he's too busy to even know. Maybe. Bet you he I spends know, 19, all his time though. with the you know, the the thing the kids these days love on that i racing thing, right? That's true. He's probably got himself a sim rig and does all that fun stuff and yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh it is available on an Xbox. I just don't remember which one it is. Um Most of our smart TV apps are now out, including the Samsung smart TV app. So if you're a Samsung user who has a 2019 TV or newer, uh, make sure you download the app so you can watch through that. Uh, And if you still somehow have not tuned into Dart Vision since prior to the 360 Nationals, make sure you update your apps and make sure you reset your password, then you'll be good to go. Um, That's all I got, Nick. That's all we got. That's a show. That's a show. Let's round it out. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in, and we will catch up with you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>
1: Hashtag open red.